Welcome, everyone, to, I believe, you know, I actually have to check this out. I believe we are on episode 48 of Mastermind.fm. We have been on kind of on a hiatus the last couple of weeks. As some of you may have known, Jean has relocated to Barcelona, and he's kind of getting settled in. There's some construction. We just, our schedules haven't synced up. And so we haven't been able to record the last couple of weeks. So I'm excited to be back, episode 48. And uh, we have a we have a fun show. We're just gonna have a great conversation. Uh, I have with me Dave. I'm gonna let him introduce himself before we get started, so you know all about him and you understand the player. So as my guest host is Dave. Dave, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, James. Uh, my name's Dave Rodenbaugh. So for uh, the WordPress folks out in the audience, uh, I run Business Directory Plugin and AWPCP. I have a couple of other ones, but uh, they're sort of side projects at this point. Uh, I also just acquired a SaaS in December called Recapture.io, which is abandoned cart email for Magento. And I've been a developer for over 20 years and working in WordPress since like 2009. Uh, and I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dave, thanks so much. Uh, I met you, was it Pressonomics we met? Pressonomics. Where we finally kind of got Pressonomics. Uh, I said Pressonomics, didn't I? I had an A in, in the middle of it. Um, it just rolls off the tongue better, Pressonomics. I don't know why. Um, anyway, Pressonomics we met, and uh, we had some good conversations there. And so when uh, you when we got were able to get you on the show, I was really excited because you were doing a lot of stuff. You you actually do a podcast of your own, right? I do. Uh, Craig Hewitt and I do Rogue Startups, so we talk a little bit about everything, but mostly single founder stuff and a little bit of WordPress stuff because Craig and I are both working on a lot of WordPress related businesses. Uh, Craig now owns the Seriously Simple podcasting plugin and yes. uh, also runs podcast motors so you know there's a lot of good wordpress stuff that we can talk about on the show since uh, we're both working on stuff very cool so you said you guys kind of focus on single founder businesses um i'm assuming that's why i've never been invited to be a guest on the show um no i'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just giving you a hard time note to uh, self <laughs> invite james <to> next <laughs> week <laughs> Uh, totally joking, totally joking. No, I've I've caught a few episodes, and you guys ha have some great content on there. So if you, if any of our listeners out there who um, who possibly may not be aware of Rogue Startups, you should definitely check it out to add to your uh, listening pleasure of business podcasts. It's a good listen, so definitely check it out. Thank you. Very kind words. Uh, how is podcasting do, doing for you? I mean, do you do you guys enjoy it? Uh, what was your motivation for getting into podcasting? Well, you know, so Craig and I have been doing this for a little over – we're actually coming up on our one-year anniversary together. Oh, isn't that okay. sweet? That's sweet. I don't really know what to right. get him. I need to send you some whiskey or balloons or something. I, I don't know what's appropriate for your one-year podcasting anniversary. You know, there's just no guideline out there for that yet. I think I, – and, you know, with Craig being the head of Podcast Motor, I really feel like he needs to send something out to give you sort of – first one is the Cardboard Anniversary. Second one is the uh, the Roadie Mike Anniversary. And the third one is the Full Studio. I, I don't know what it is. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we started this a little uh, – well, he had actually started Rogue Startups without me uh, a few months beforehand. And okay. then – I was invited on as a guest on the show and he and I had great chemistry, some great conversations. We clicked and then we decided that we'd get serious and uh, do this together. 
So we started up the revamped version of Rogue Startups about a year ago this time and just started cranking out episodes. I think we're on somewhere in the 70s, 76, 77. I forget what the numbers are at this point. So we're a little bit ahead of you, but not by much. You guys have really totally caught up because you just started this after Pressnomics last year, right? Yeah, we've been doing this, uh, I want to say, since February of last year. So we're just coming into our one-year mark. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So we originally started this out – well, Craig had originally started this out because he loved podcasting. Like, he's our podcast nerd. He loves editing. He reads all the stuff. That's what motivated him to start Podcast Motor, the whole concierge service. And as we were uh, going along, you know – I, he and I were in the Micropreneur Academy, now known as Founder Cafe, together, and he was sort of chatting, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, you know, I've been on a couple of podcasts, and I really had a good time, and it seems like everybody and their brother's getting into podcasting now, and, you know, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it would be fun. So uh, we got together and started doing that, and at first we started doing, you know, what everybody else was doing, so we were just doing the straight-up interviews, and we were kind of mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, this isn't so fun. So we put more of ourselves into it and then kind of made it a format that we really like. So it's like it's sort of conversational, but it's usually topical. So we'll have something Mm -hmm. to kind of riff on and then we'll bring in interviews occasionally, uh, mix it up a little bit. But, yeah, we uh, we do it for fun. We thought, you know, there might be some audience building that could happen out of that. But that wasn't necessarily a primary goal. I really just enjoy having the conversations with Craig and talking about businesses and, you know, giving sort of live mastermind style updates uh, on what our businesses are up to. So that's, that's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I I feel the same way we, you know, when we got into it, uh, Jean and I were both kind of, kind of headed on our bucket list that we either wanted to start a, a podcast, um, you know, from scratch or, you know, team up with somebody and, and jump on and do it. And so we were having our, our kind of our weekly mastermind calls ourselves, just our own. And we kind of had the idea of what if we just opened it up and let people listen in on the conversations we were already having anyway. And that's kind of how mastermind.fm has kind of grew out of that. And I love it. And I do, you know, here's the thing. I, I like the interviews uh, that we have. And I like, I especially like Jean gets people generally on the show that aren't, uh, littered on every other podcast. Right? Yeah, that's like, a huge people, problem, just... right? Yeah, you you get somebody on yeah, your podcast, you just... and then they suddenly are on sixteen other podcasts. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> and and every episode you listen to is a little bit the same because they're covering their topic, right? The things that they they know really well, and so you hear a lot of the same information. And there are some that are just they're just so amazingly good at it that they bring something new to every show that they're on, but. You, you start to kind of rehash some of the same information. And so Jean does a good job of bringing people on the show that are not your your usual listens. You don't usually hear them on all the other podcasts. But then I got a little bit of, while I love it, and I, and I do love it, and we're going to keep doing it, and Mastermind.fm is going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, I say that, but we'll see. But we're going to keep doing it because we love it. I, I actually ended up starting another podcast kind of for the way you guys have transitioned uh, Rogue Startups a little bit was – to have a conversation which was more just it was more about personality and our own experiences in it and having some fun. So it's it we we jokingly call it uh uh you know an infotainment 
um, <laughs> you know, with uh, in the sense of there is a little info and a lot less attainment. Um, but we try to we put in some funny shtick. We do some, you know, little uh, little segments that are meant to be humorous and not meant to be taken seriously at all. And then, of course, we talk about business as well. So it's a it's a fun show. And I enjoy podcasting because I think I enjoy uh, verbal communication over written communication. I'm just a terrible writer. Um, but you, uh, how about, I mean, do you find yourself drawn to podcasting over other ways of producing content? Or is it just something that, just an added, I'm I'm equally good at this, and so I might as well do it? You know, I'm with you on the whole podcasting as a medium is much it's much easier to generate content when it comes to talking about things in a business. Writing is really good if you're sitting down trying to organize thoughts and create something that either teaches somebody about some topic or uh, something that you learned yourself and you can add other things to it with visuals and, and link to other reference material and stuff like that. I think that's a really good medium for things like teaching and how-to articles and um, explanatory stuff. But the discussion medium of a podcast, I think, is really good for having, you know, just sort of bouncing ideas off and seeing what somebody else thinks and, and how they react to that. Or like there's a really great – I don't know if you listen to Bootstrap Web with Jordan Gall and Brian mm -hmm. Castle. Yeah. But those guys have a, a format now that I think we might try to imitate on Rogue Startups where they bring on a third guest and you just have a topic and everybody just sort of talks about it. Yeah. And that right there are like some of the most dynamic and interesting episodes I think that they have because it's just everybody's – it's like you're standing at a conference and you're listening to three guys talk about something. Or if you're participating in the, in the conversation, that's even more awesome. But – I love that generative idea froth that just comes out of a podcast. You know, there's a lot of times that Craig and I have had discussions and I'm taking notes afterwards and th that's <laughs> stuff that we'll end up doing on a business or we'll talk about a topic and it forces you to, to learn something about that. If you haven't already implemented that, or if you've implemented that, then it forces you to get some details that you might've forgotten about it. So it, it just helps me sort of reinforce the things that um, I'm already trying to do in my business. So I think podcasting yeah. really, really makes me a better business person because I get to have more of those discussions on a regular basis, not just once a year at Pressnomics or Pressonomics, the sister conference to Pressnomics. <laughs> and uh, microconf and, and thanks for that. Thanks for that little anytime, jab. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> and other other great places like that. You know, word camps where you can sit around with other product people and and have chats like that. So those are those are great opportunities. I just don't feel like they happen often enough. And podcasting gives you that excuse to to have that. I I agree. I and I think that captures it really well. What you just said. A lot of us we go to these conferences, and and most of us, uh, people like you and myself, I think anyway, rarely sit in the sessions. We spend most of our time in the hallway, uh, having conversation. And so we've you know these things have been lovingly called the hallway track, right? Every conference has a hallway track where you get to talk or sit around and talk with uh, your peers in business. Some some further along, some not quite as far along, and you get to have these rich conversations about business, about the topic of the day, and you walk away with these great ideas that you want to implement into your own business. 
And you're right, they don't happen frequently enough because you can only go to so many conferences. But a podcast, if you do it right, you can kind of have that conversation with a group of people, two, three, one, whatever, uh, you know, whatever number works for your format. And you kind of have that conversation on a, on a weekly basis if you want. And how awesome is that? And then for there's the, the added benefit of those people who don't aren't comfortable maybe being on a show. Uh, who can listen in on that conversation that you had and still take notes and walk away with some really cool ideas. So podcasting is uh, definitely my thing of the year. I think that's the, that's the place I'm going. I'm just going to keep doing I'm going to try to get on every podcast I can just for the heck of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll be James Laws on every single podcast, and they'll all be a little bit the same. No, I'm kidding. Oh, ouch. I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, think, I think I bring a little bit of mischief to everything, every show. A little I'm bit. On. No, you bring a lot. Um, <laughs> no, I, no, but you're right. You know, there is this idea of, you know, you can get too much of, of a person if they're not able to fit into a format. That's the other thing I think is I, I maybe as a rule of thumb for people who get onto a lot of shows is find out how you fit in that format and bring something different that's unique for that particular show. Um, that that helps you not be the same across every single episode or everything every show somebody might listen to. So that may be something to think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I don't know how many guest requests that you guys get from mastermind.fm. But we get some with rogue startups, and people will submit this, and they're just basically trying to get on the show to do self-promotion. They haven't necessarily decided <laughs> whether our format really fits what it is they want to talk about, or if it if it yep. does have that fit, they don't see that you know right now we're not talking about that, or we haven't talked about that in a while, or we recently covered it, and we, we're probably not going to cover it again for like six to eight months, maybe longer. So there's yeah. definitely sort of like this tone deafness when people try to jam themselves on podcasts. They're sort of in self-promotion mode, and they're not really critically looking at, does it make sense for me to be on here? Do I fit here? You know, I, I try to be conscious of that when um, I go around and, and look to, to get onto podcasts. Just I just don't do it all that often, especially since I do my own show. There's, yeah. you know, I don't feel as much of this. I have to get this out because I have the outlet of that every week. But in some cases, like talking here on mastermind.fm, I was thinking, hey, this is a perfect fit. I'm a WordPress guy. This is a WordPress podcast. Mm -hmm. These guys are in similar businesses. You know, there, there's a lot for us to talk about. I think there's a lot of overlap in our audiences, and it makes just, just good sense. So, Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. I enjoy your show, so keep up the good work with that. Now, you, you have two WordPress plugins. Uh, and you said you just recently acquired what was the name of that again? It's called Recapture.io. It's it's okay. a SaaS awesome. that does abandoned cart emails for Magento. So if you're familiar with Jilt or Carthook in the WooCommerce space, it's similar to that. But this specifically okay. does Magento. Okay, very cool. So that's so you have now you've been doing two WordPress plugins for a while. You've been selling. And this is a recent acquisition as you're, it's kind of moving outside of kind of WordPress, right? I mean, Magento doesn't necessarily isn't easily plugged and played into WordPress that I'm aware of. What? They don't play together? Um, no, I'm kidding. No, they're, it's very different. <laughs> yes, it's very. So the first thing I had, the first thing that uh, somebody said to me after I acquired this, they're like, wait a minute, aren't you a WordPress guy? Like, what, what the hell are you doing over here in Magento? <laughs> Right. I've worked in Magento for a client several years back and they had WordPress and then they had their Magento store. And then we were doing some stuff to kind of connect 
the two together and it was a pain in the rear end and I never want to deal with it again. But I think it's interesting. So you're in, you're, you've been in the WordPress space and now you're kind of, you kind of have now this business that's kind of transitioned on the other side. I'm curious for those of us who are running WordPress businesses, maybe we're exclusively running WordPress businesses. What's your experience? From, is, there, is, there, is there a marked difference that you see in these two different spaces? I don't know. You know, I'm, again, I'm not even sure how long you've been doing the other to know if you have a full feel for it or, your, or even just your other past experience. But do you find there's a, there's a difference in running these kind of these businesses? You know, there's a lot of overlap between running a WordPress business and running a general SaaS. And then there's also, so there's really two perspectives here. There's sort of the e-commerce perspective, like WooCommerce versus Shopify versus Magento and what space, you know, where do people play in each of those spaces? And it depends very much on the kinds of businesses that are looking at those solutions right there. Like it seems that in my experience, people that are jumping on WooCommerce are generally folks that are just getting started out and they are either WordPress experts themselves, have access to a WordPress expert, and just want to do something that's a relatively low-cost solution um, and doesn't necessarily have to be super customizable, but is something that's more or less easy to deal with. And I think WooCommerce sort of fits that, that bill pretty well. And then there's yeah. the next platform up where it's Shopify. And this is the one where you get more low tech folks where they want the solution. They have a little bit of money to spend on it, but they want something that's really simple and easy to use and doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to install a, a complicated theme and 38 plugins and all this other stuff to make your site work. They just kind of want it done and just add products and then forget about it. So that's Shopify kind of fits that niche. And that's why that's been growing quite a bit. Magento is sort of a different animal from either of those two, where it's people that have larger, more complicated stores or very specific customization needs. And they mm -hmm. might have a staff on hand that already knows how to customize Magento or that they're willing to hire somebody to do it. So there's generally some larger budget involved in my experience. And that the Magento stores are trying to deal with a larger volume of sales. But, the, you know, I mean, you can have a high volume WooCommerce store just like you could have a, a struggling Magento store. I mean, these are just wild <laughs> speculative generalizations <laughs> here, right? This is just stuff that I've, uh, I've observed over the past few months. So when I was looking for this particular business here, I've been doing the WordPress stuff for a long time. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to get that holy grail of recurring revenue, right? Absolutely. And the, the plugins are okay for that. Um you know, in the WordPress space in general, and you can tell me whether you agree with this statement or not, but so far what I've observed is there is definitely sort of a price sensitivity in general. So if you want to sell something that is higher priced, it's more of a struggle to get that to be mass market with WordPress. It's not to say you can't charge high prices, because I actually do, and I'm able to to get people to buy that. But I get, you know, a fair number of people that are like, oh, my God, you're too expensive. I'm not going to buy you. It's like, OK, <laughs> you're not my customer. I get that. But when it comes to things like annual renewals and trying to get people to re-up for the next year, if you're not like a critical piece of their site or something that's been making money for them or something that's like integral to their business, uh, they don't tend to necessarily renew. 
So that really yeah. hits my renewal rates quite a bit because directories and classifieds are not necessarily like the core of anybody's business. We're very much an add-on in most cases, unless the people are like sure. trying to do their own Yelp clone. But then they get frustrated if, for example, they can't sell advertising on there and make money off of it. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. So that's what pushed me towards a SaaS business. And I've been looking for like 18 months for something that would be a good fit with my experience, my level, and the stuff that I've learned in doing a WordPress business here for the past six, seven years. Because everything that we do in our daily WordPress business, whether it's you know customer support or uh, onboarding or um, dealing with the 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 balance between getting bug fixes out and doing testing that's adequate to cover all the weird word WordPress environment cases. <laughs> uh, yeah. That we could do a whole podcast on that. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and then, you know, the, how do you balance the bug fixing with new feature work? Like you guys just released three for Ninja forms and I'm sure you right. had to like cordon off your team and say, all right, you're not doing any bug fixes for this period of time because the support requests just don't stop. <laughs> they never stop. Right. Right. And so all of these things are just general problems that we all have in our businesses, regardless of whether you're doing a WordPress business or a SaaS or a Shopify app or anything. It doesn't matter. I wanted to take that experience and move it to something that was more strongly recurring so that I could end up basically quitting my freelancing job because the plugins got me a part of that way. But they weren't getting mm -hmm. me all of the way, and I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta accelerate this here because I don't want to be 60 and working as a freelancer here anymore. So, <laughs> so you weren't looking specifically necessarily to get out of the WordPress space, but more specifically to uh, for a SaaS for something that had kind of a more monthly recurring revenue that added a value, a pre uh, added a premium value that you could charge a premium dollar for and keep that income growing and, and consistent. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that's a totally fair assessment. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at your other uh, WordPress plugins and I can see, yeah, your, uh, your prices are definitely not on the low end of WordPress plugins. And NinjaForms follows in the same suit. Like our, our main plugin is, is up there as well. So we're trying to buck against that kind of the low value of WordPress software in general and, and charge a, I think as much as you can possibly say it, since it is always subjective, charge what the software is worth, not what people expect. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's such a, you know, it feels like we've fought against this for so many years that WordPress is free. How come your stuff is not free? It's like, <laughs> exactly. you don't understand what it takes to build software. It's great that there are people out there that have all the time in the world to be core contributors or they're employed and that's their primary job. And so, you know, they are getting paid to do it. It's just, you don't see that in there. So the fact right. that WordPress shows up as free sort of is a little bit misleading in the amount of value that is put into it and that people get out of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know that necessarily everybody is so amazed at the fact that you can install WordPress and have an entire fully functional SEO ready themed commerce ready site in like 48 hours. If you're, you know, pretty good at it. That's amazing. That's yeah. <laughs> just mind blowing. This is something that took months beforehand before WordPress was around. And so today, the fact that we can do that just blows my mind. But I think that it, it gets undervalued by people who don't have an appreciation for that level of work that went into it years ago. 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. So this is an interesting transition. So you have these WordPress plugins and you're deciding, obviously it's getting you part of the way, right? But you want to you want to be able to fully commit, right? Have the products and have make sure that's taking care of taking care of you financially and have that all set. So you start to look for a product. What does that search look like for you? Because that's a, that's an interesting concept. I know Jean would be asking these questions if he were here, because he's interested in this idea of acquiring other businesses to kind of add on to his own portfolio of products, if you will. What did that? How did that process start out for you? How did you end up coming across? You know, what what does that search look like? Uh, in your in your particular instance? Well, you know, how it started and how it ended were very, very different. So when I first started out, I, I was very open to the idea of, well, let's just say I, I was ready for just about anything that was going to come along. I thought to myself, okay. I, can, I can take anything as long as it fits into a certain parameter of it's making a certain level of money and it fits in a price that I could afford. So, you know, I had discussed with my wife what made sense, how much cash that we could afford to put out and what the business was throwing out. And so, you know, we set down some numbers. And then once we'd agreed on those numbers, that's what I used as the search parameters. And that was a great conversation to have, by the way. If you're out there looking to do a business, that's the very first thing that you should probably look at is what can I really afford to do without like driving me into a hole if this doesn't work? Because it the possibility exists <laughs> that this could absolutely yeah. happen. And I have done that. I have actually bought a business and it was like $60,000. And it turned out like within a year, the, so this was a, a schedule watching application for the university of Washington. And within a year, the university of Washington had changed their policies, shut down my API and I barely got the money out that I had made with the app that I had paid into it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So all, all within 12 <laughs> months. And the guy that was selling it to me probably had a little bit of an inkling to it, but he could say with a straight face that he didn't really know because he didn't really know. But he probably suspected, and that's why he wanted to get out. So that was a risk I was willing to take. I knew that as a possibility going into it. And then when I tried to expand to other schools, it didn't work. So, you know, you you have to be ready to lose that or at least be prepared for a plan B. What happens if I do lose that? Uh, anyway, so getting back to the search parameters. So at first I started looking around, deciding, all right, well, what kind of a business do I want? It's got to be SaaS, some recurring revenue. I thought if this is related to WordPress, that would be fantastic because I've got this audience and I've got a decent size email list between the two plugins and this is a, a fantastic way I could promote this. So, you know, I've got nice synergy between the businesses here, use existing resources and pump that into growth of something new. So for a long time, I tried to find just a complimentary WordPress business. I don't know if you've actually gone and tried to look out there. There aren't a ton of those kinds of things out there. Um, <laughs> I, you know, there was some things that sort of came up uh, indirectly, like, uh, the, the guys at Human Made were thinking about selling WP Remote about a year ago. And so I contacted them and we had conversations and ultimately, you know, it didn't really make sense for what they wanted for it and what I could afford. So that sort of fell apart. And then I looked at a couple of other options um, of some other WordPress projects, but these projects were 
a little riskier because they had a product, but they didn't have very many customers. The customers that they had were pretty new, so the product market fit wasn't necessarily proven out very well. And it was kind of unclear, would this be a good fit for my customer base already or not? So going back and forth, trying to figure those things out um, didn't really pan out right away. Then I thought, all right, well, is there a complementary business I could just build? If I'm going to pay to get a business, could I find a developer and accelerate this process and build something myself and just use my list? And we explored several different options, tried to figure out if there was something. Remember, it's got to be recurring revenue at this point. So is there a SaaS that I could build around WordPress? And after some customer interviews and talking to uh, customers on my list and getting some surveys out there, it was hard to find people that were willing to commit to something that paid a decent level of recurring revenue. Like they wanted to pay $9 a month or $19 a month. And I'm thinking like $49 to $99 a month. And so that didn't really fit. So at that point, I started expanding my search and saying, all right, well, maybe it doesn't necessarily fit to the WordPress business, but what's out there that's a SaaS that I could afford that, you know, I could actually run and I have some experience in that space or could, would be interested in getting experience in that space and looked at lots of different deals and even tried to do some creative financing things, looking up market and say, all right, well, if I can put this much cash in the deal, what if I were to go and finance some of it with like an SBA loan? Could I get something that's different? Could I get something that's bigger? Could I get something that's going to take me out of freelancing immediately as opposed to having to grow it for a couple of years and then finally quit? So all of those parameters kind of went into it, went through various deals, a couple of due diligence rounds, things you know, didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Maybe the business wasn't a fit. Maybe the business got bought by somebody else. I had a couple where I was ready. I threw down an offer letter and somebody trumped me either with a better offer or they just got it in faster. So that was always super frustrating. Yeah. And then, you know, I was kind of despondent probably about, I don't know, August or September of this year. And I was talking with my friend Rob Walling, and he was saying, you know, you really, if, if you're looking at a certain size of the market or a certain this or that, you, you you might be limiting yourself. Like, can you scope it down and say, well, what can I just buy with cash? And how can you get that cash? And what, you know, what are the must-haves in the business and everything else? Is it something that you can live with or live without? And once he sort of focused that discussion with me a little bit better, I realized that if I stayed kind of down in the low six-figure range, I was probably going to find something that had better growth opportunities than if I was looking in a mid to high six-figure range. Just because right. the business is is sort of that in-between from we've started out, we've got a product, the customers like that product, but you haven't necessarily grown to a size where everybody has the product. Whereas if you're in the higher six-figure range, you know, there's a lot of people that know about that product and the growth opportunities aren't necessarily as easy to find or you need a different kind of experience to get it. So I kind of felt like my experience fit pretty well in the low six-figure range for growth. If you have gotten a product and it's off the ground and you've got some traction and customers like it, I could take that and grow it well. So that's ultimate. It gives you opportunity, right, to to improve on it too, like to, to put your own 
perspective, a, a product that's too like is valued too high, uh, maybe a little set in its ways, right? Well, yeah. The idea of being able to change too much, you can only you you have very limited potential to actually impact the product itself without. Uh, possibly turning off that its large user base. Legacy customers are definitely something to be reckoned with. Like they, <laughs> they have a very set notion of how an application works. And so when you want to come in and make okay. radical changes on things, that can be very disconcerting to them and you can see them leave in droves. So that's a major concern with a larger app. That's not something that I have had tons of experience with. When you have fewer customers, you know, a radical change is probably more easily absorbed because if you talk about losing 5 to 10% of your customer base, that's a whole lot different at 50 than it is with 500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it will impact your revenue accordingly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just seems like if you've gotten something that has some product market fit and the customers really resonate with that, you can have more opportunities, in my opinion, to dig into growth, dig into expansion, whether that's going to different markets, whether that's talking to the customers and saying, hey, what do you feel is really missing here? Or just looking at the app and saying, I, here's a, an obvious experience that I could improve here. They did an okay job, but I could do better. Those things just, are, there are less of those when I looked at bigger deals than when I looked at smaller deals. So ultimately I ended yeah. up picking a smaller deal. No, that's that's awesome. Super exciting. And I think there's some some good takeaways for our listeners, uh, even in planning, planning your own business, planning to acquire a business, having that conversation. What can I afford that it, it in a lot of ways? It, it's like gambling, right? You go, you, let's I mean, well, our, yeah. if we're being honest, right, yeah, it, you, you go to you if you go to Vegas and you don't have a set amount that says if I lose this much, I'm out. Right. If I lose, you know, a thousand dollars, I'm out like I'm not going to lose twenty five thousand dollars at the at the blackjack table. I'm not going to allow myself to do it. So I set myself a a number and you that's what you essentially did. Right. This is the number I can invest in a product. And if it goes south completely, it'll hurt, but it won't it won't bankrupt me. Right. And that's an important conversation to have. We, I had that question even when I quit my job to do the WP Ninjas and Ninja Forms full time. The the business was growing, and it looked like it was you know it looked like it was going to keep growing, and and every, all the signs led to you know were kind of saying this is a success. You should dive in. Oh, now come on, but come on. Good... You, you used the magic eight ball, didn't you? And said and said all signs <laughs> point to good. And, and then that's you right. Just said, that's Screw exactly it, what I'm I did. Quit my job. <laughs> but then I told my wife what the magic eight ball said, and she disagreed. So we had to have a frank conversation about what does that mean. And so what that meant for me was I had to build up a cushion, right? I had to build up, you know, so many, you know, I think I think we came up with like a year and a half of salary. Uh, and once I hit that mark, I was free to just dive in and, and make it work. And so that's what we did. So we set a number uh, and and we went out. But we had a plan. Like we didn't. While business is risky and acquisition is risky and quitting your job to do something that, you know, there's no promise that you're going to sell today what you sold or you sell tomorrow what you sold today. Right. You don't get that promise. There's a risk involved and you have to be smart about making the, the, the financial decisions that set you up for success and give you, you know, alternative approaches if things don't go the way that you had hoped. Oh, 
Oh yeah. Uh, double amen. So. Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> yeah, no. Especially when you're married, right? And got a family. It's one thing if you're single, like you can, you can afford to take a, like you, you probably have a friend who you could sleep on their couch for a little while, but when you have a family, you can't, you can't risk it like that. Yeah, Your wife and kids are not eating ramen for a month. That just never happens. Let me just say <laughs> no, that now. Absolutely and the possibility, <laughs> if you float that as a, this is our plan B, let me tell you that conversation will not go well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, so let me ask you something. You have these two WordPress plugins. Uh, so you're you're a solo founder, right? You're you're you are you are the company. Correct. And you have these two WordPress plugins. You acquire this SaaS. Um, I gotta assume you're not doing it all by yourself. How do you keep track? How do you manage it all? Like, what what's your team look like, or how are you uh, diversifying what gets done, or are you doing it all and you're just some sort of weird wizard that can can do it all? Like, what's what's going on? Like, with that, I am secretly Gandalf, and I actually conjure <laughs> up an entire staff, and uh, I have the Balrog going and doing development on the SAS right now because he really felt like he was left out. <laughs> No, no. That's brilliant. I'm 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 not a wizard. I'm not superhuman. And in fact, uh since the the takeover of the SAS, uh I will admit that I've had to hyper motivate myself to be super productive and super focused because any little distraction causes me to get further behind than I already feel like I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do have a staff. Uh so I have a developer on each of the WordPress plugins. It's a senior guy. Okay. He's, um, I, I've had these guys for years through uh, Odesk, now Upwork, and they're, they live down in Columbia. They, these guys went to school together. They're great WordPress developers. And awesome. they, they handle all the primary feature development and the technical support where you know it's not me answering a question or giving them a license key or something like that. So they deal with all of that technical aspect. I have two other guys, one for each forum, that are handling the support questions on the forum and answering frontline stuff. And I do the mm-hmm. email support. So that takes me probably about an hour a day. Then that frees me up for part of the day, at least, to do recapture support, which thankfully is like a tiny, tiny fraction of my WordPress support. Like I've had to become hyper-efficient in WordPress support and recapture has been like, if I get one or two requests a day, that's like a heavy day. (laughs) And, you know, for the plugins, it's like 18, 25, some, you know, somewhere in that range per day. And that's... That's a very different load to balance. So most of what I've been spending time on in the past couple of months since I've acquired that is trying to learn the new code base. So I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm not a Node.js developer and, and Recapture is all written in Node, but I do know JavaScript obviously from WordPress. So that has translated over well, and I you know just have to add that to my repertoire of frameworks that are now on my resume and figure out how the whole thing works and documenting all the stuff. The guys that I bought recapture from were super awesome. They documented everything. They were very helpful during the transition. And obviously when we were having our conversations, I felt really good about buying the business from these guys because it definitely was something that they really cared about. Their main thing is they wanted somebody who really cared about it too. So we fit together really well because I wasn't going to leave their customers in the lurch. They're now my customers 
And that's just, yeah. you know, that's something that's super important to me. I mean, any business I have, I feel directly connected to the customers. If they are having problems or there's, you know, there's a WordPress update and all of a sudden my plugin breaks and I didn't know about it and I hadn't tested that aspect of it. You know, I, I feel pain for them. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't want that experience to, to happen for any length of time. So, you know, actively try to go through and manage the support, but, you know, Right now, I, I need to to grow the SaaS a little bit so that I can actually afford to hire a full-time Node developer. Because I can tell you, based on my level of distraction right now, it's going to be hard to be a focused feature developer on the SaaS and get and right. get stuff done. Like it's just not going to be as fast as if somebody is working on that full-time and that's all they do. Yeah, I will say managing manage that's I I, I would say is probably my biggest struggle is managing a team to be efficient, to not be um, chasing bugs all the time, but to be able to actually focus on driving the product further and then handling support. Um, I mean, for a product like ours, we have, you know, almost 800,000 active installs, uh, 22 plus thousand customers, and it's it's a little bit overwhelming like a we had, bit. when we started we started <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot overwhelming but and i have a decent sized team it's not like i have you know i have six full time uh and one part time person uh working on all of this stuff but man uh we just just it's it's really hard to kind of keep the ball moving forward and and manage the poor and i'm i'm with you you know, that's something we talk about as a team all along. And and we've said this a number of times, too. As support goes, so do sales. Like, when support oh, yeah. is on top of it, when we are on our ball, we have great sales days. When we are not on the ball, you know, we do not always have, the you know, the, the sales days we want to have. And not only that, but I'm with you in the sense that I, I want us all to feel empathy for our, our customers and our users. When they when they reach out to us, our reaction can't be, you're doing it wrong, right? Like, that can't be the reaction. The reaction has to be, man, this I would hate this if this was happening to me. How do I solve this problem? Like, how do I get them to the best solution possible? And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a struggle handling that. So I can, I'm doing this with one, now I say one product. I guess we have, you know, 40 plus add-ons. So we kind of have 40 products, but technically they're all connected to the same thing. And I think of how just daunting it is with my full staff in the office every single day, you know, not even distributed. They're all right here. I can look across, the, you know, I can walk out of my office and into their office and scold them. Like they're all, <laughs> You're doing like, it wrong. Oh, wait, I can't do that. Doing, I'm yeah. not. Oh, wait, I, I can't. I, I should probably not. If I don't want you to do that to the customer, I shouldn't do that to you. Um, but like I can, I can, I can go and smack Kenny in the back of the head. I can go and throw something at someone. Like I can, they're all right here. But I, I, you know, I just imagine two products. Now this SaaS, keeping development moving forward, handling the support. Now a code base that you don't, you're not even really super familiar with yet. Like you're still just even getting up to speed on that. That's got to feel like you said. You got to always feel like you are behind. You're always got a mountain of stuff that needs to get done, and you just how do you how do you claw yourself out of it? Uh, ask me that question again in six months. I'm asking, please. How do you claw yourself? <laughs> no, out of No, I don't know. I don't know, man. We got to talk to somebody better than us. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. No, the the that's the that's the trick, right? So I always feel like my goal as the owner slash manager slash leader of the team is to stay the hell out of the way of everybody else and make sure that 
they aren't bottlenecked by something they need from me or somebody else. Sure. So if if I can stay on top of that, then at least I know they're all being efficient, even if it impacts me. So I, I right, try to right. I try to approach my day from that perspective. So I might be getting you know tons and tons of support requests in, but if one of my developers emails me and says, "Hey, you know, I'm running into this issue here. What do you think about this UX versus this UX?" Or I can't do this for the customer because the WordPress API doesn't support whatever crazy thing that they want to do. What do you think about this hack workaround? So, you know, if those are the things that I prioritize first, followed by the, ah, oh, my WordPress site's blowing up, followed by the, hey, I've got some pre-sales questions for you. <laughs> so, that, yeah, it's just, it's a constant juggling act. And I just, I know myself well enough that I can juggle pretty well, not in the literal sense, but just in the business sense, because my juggling for real just sucks. I don't know. Have you ever tried to juggle? <laughs> That's hard. Man. I can juggle a little, just a little. I can juggle one. Yeah. <laughs> I can juggle. I can juggle three for a few rotations, and then I, I, what ends up happening is I keep the balls get farther and farther away from me, and I can't keep them in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all about control, right? <laughs> it, it is, it is. I so th that's a struggle, you know. We have like with our support, our, and obviously our support load is probably substantially heavier than your average, probably our average listener. <laughs> probably exponentially higher than our average listener as far as support loads. We get probably 135 requests a day. Sweet uh, mother of God. That's our... a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. And and there was a time that we had a, like a week ago or two weeks ago, we had uh, we had uh, based on some error on our, on our server, something I think it was something that I did. It usually is. If something breaks dramatically, it's my fault. But something changed and we had lost like 150 tickets that didn't make it into our support system. Oh! Oh, it was awful. <laughs> so I had uh, my my business partner, my CTO, I had him write a script that would get all of those. We had them in our database. We just didn't have them in the support system. So I had him write a script that would get all that stuff out for me the way I needed it. And then I handed that over to our support system and they imported them all in and we had them. But it means our ticket queue went from like 150, 200 to like 350. Uh, instantly, like just bam, we have all these tickets. And I don't, psychologically, I, I've noticed this about my team. I don't know if this is true of every team. When you are that, you may be able to answer, you know, 20, 30 tickets in an hour. And then, but when there's that many tickets, all of a sudden you can only answer 10 an hour. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't, there's this like mental barrier to the sheer number and volume. It's so, uh, maybe it's, it's, it's the idea is that it's just so disheartening that we just all slow down a little bit. And so I was frustrated. I was frustrated with it, but I was also just kind of frustrated for my team because they were just so buried and bogged down that I spent the week, I spent a weekend doing almost nothing but support and shut down over 150 tickets. Wow. Just crushing it so that when they came in Monday morning, we had a zero queue when we all, when it was all said and done. And that to me is my role as, as a CEO of my company is how do I set my team up for success every single day? And sometimes that is means as, as, as dirty as I'm going to do as, as much of the support, if not most of the support, if it'll get my team ahead so that they can work on the things that are really important. Yeah. Yeah. So ugh, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's brutal. So the next time we get 250 <laughs> tickets on our queue, I'm calling you. <laughs> I'm fast. I am fast. Damn, that's a lot. Uh, 
<laughs> it's funny because when it was all said and done, um, and I had been out of the support queue for quite a bit, and so I am I'm a little bit of removed from the product, if you will. And so the first little while was just me kind of refamiliarizing myself with everything about the product. And then after a while, I'm like, man, I am the fastest rep we got. <laughs> like, I am blowing through these tickets. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a challenge, and our, we've got some stuff managing now. We've got some automated stuff, and and I'm really excited about that. And we're now we're we're well on top of everything. But there was that time where we just kind of hit it, and I mean, managing one product is one thing, but managing three not related products, like they're not directly related. Seems even, I, I don't even want to think about doing it. Well, there are days I don't want to think about it either. <laughs> uh, that solves the problem. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, it, it was easy because at least with the support, I can stay focused on the plugins and do that yep. and kind of get that off my queue and then go spend my the balance of my time on the new SaaS and stay focused in that right now. So in that sense, it's felt a little better because I know I can sort of compartmentalize. But yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because one of the things that I was doing during, during due diligence was to create this long list of, okay, I need to add that. Oh, I definitely want to work on that. Oh, hey, look, there's a great place for growth right there. Oh, I should try that channel. Oh, you know, and just kept writing them down, writing them down. So now in Evernote, I have this bulleted list. Like, I think I'm up to 78 items on this bulleted list now. It's obnoxious, and I have no idea when I'm going to attack all of it, but it's sitting there <laughs> telling me that there are all these things that could be better about the application, and I don't have the bandwidth to do all of them. So there's my constant reminder that I'm, I'm just not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and damn it, I need to work <laughs> faster. <laughs> it's like the reverse oh. Stuart Smalley, right? That's right. But you know what? All of us, all of us as business owners, especially, I mean, you're a little more active in the, well, at least at this point with your SaaS, right? Trying to be active in the product itself, even though you don't have time to do too much of it. All of us, I think from as business owners, we have this list, this wish list, if you will, of, man, I really wish the product would do this, or I wish we'd fix this, or I wish we'd make this easier for the user. We make these lists. And then the challenge is to, to make that list and actually not bring it to the development team and distract them from what they're doing at the moment right like finding the right time to to actually bring that up and say okay now's the time that we can deal with this stuff so kind of managing that list without and having that list without actually just being a distraction to your team with that list well i am tracking all of mine in trello so unfortunately they do see that list but <laughs> so hopefully i think at this point it's gotten so large and it's been there for long enough that it isn't a distraction anymore because we have this system where I'll go and tag the next release with a certain color and say, this is what you're working on. So all of a sudden, this large list, the sea of cards out there that are uncolored, suddenly there's like 10 of them that have purple. And now you know, here are yep. the 10 that I really care about, and here's the order in which Dave cares about them. So now you can <laughs> implement them how you want. So that... I think that helps focus them. It helps focus me. And then when we do like a feature review, so we'll go through all the cards and say, yeah, that's no longer relevant. Yeah, we fixed that already. Or yeah, that's that's too insane. That's never going to happen. Or hey, look, some other plugin already added that feature. All we have to do is integrate with it and we're done. You know? Awesome. Yeah. So like- We have these, we- Go ahead. I'm sorry, go no, ahead. No, no. 
I was just going to say, we did, like before this show, I, I literally ran out of our development office down here and plugged in to, for this episode because we were having kind of a product meeting on some on certain components uh, of Ninja Forms. And it was it was funny because I had to leave, but I had to leave in the mid of in the middle of a heated debate. Like we were debating on how a certain feature should work and whether it should do a certain thing or whether we w- whether we would want to support that for the life of the product because once you add it, it's really hard to take it away. And so we were having this like really heated debate. And in the middle of it, I'm like, uh, figure it out. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, I just said to take off because I'm like, I don't have time for this. But in the end, I don't, you know, here, you know, in the way our business is structured, I don't actually make that final decision. So where you, you probably make the final decision. If you want a feature, it's getting put in the plugin. And with my relationship with my business partner, uh, I handle every other area of the business. But when it comes to the product, I give him my heartfelt opinion of what I think is the right way. And then I trust him to just kind of make the decision. So in the end, I don't even make that decision. Uh, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna passionately debate what I think is the right way. <laughs> sure, we're developers. We can't not passionately debate features like that. It's just sort of exactly. in our DNA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's oh, it's always fun. Uh, so what's next for you? I mean, I know you you said you you know one of the things you want to do is figure out how you can kind of build revenue up so that you can hire a node developer uh is that your is, would you call that your primary focus moving forward i would say that's my short and medium term focus so for like the, the next one to six months that's all i'm focused on right now and so whatever gets me toward that goal is what i'm really actively doing so like right now in order to deal with growth i've got to have a good funnel for the customers to come in in the SaaS. And the one that was left for me when the sellers gave it to me, I wouldn't call it bad, but it, you know, it could be stronger. <laughs> it could be a lot stronger. Like it just sure. doesn't bug them enough at the points where they're missing key points of activations. Like there's a five step process for them to get in and activate properly to start seeing value out of it. And if they don't yeah. get to step five, they're having problems already. So it's like you need to hammer them until they reach step five. Yeah. And, you know, they'll send out like two emails. I'm like, no, that's not enough. That's that's not anywhere close to enough. So I'm integrating something much richer and um, let's call it not spammier, but more forceful. <laughs> Lots more email involved. Like if you haven't done something and you're on a 14 day trial, you don't wait until day nine to tell them they haven't done it. Yeah, I mean, if you have a, if you have a, like you said it right, if you have a product that it takes five steps for them to see the value, like to really feel the value of the, of the product, then you have got to do everything as fast as possible to get them to step five, <laughs> like as soon as possible. Especially if you know the people who make it to step five, you know, stay customers. Yes, like they 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 you retain them. Then well, yes, absolutely. Like you send them fifty emails if that's what it takes, right? If that's what gets them there. Um, and I'm sure there's lots of stuff you can do in app as well that can kind of help them along the way. But that's, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So that's like, that's my primary focus now. Then once I've got that, I have a source of where I'm going to start marketing right away. So then I need to start hammering that and I need to get a VA to go get me more of those kinds of stores. So, you know, once I get that and start building up some revenue, then I have to see how that impacts support. My guess is it's not going to be Absolutely. too bad based on the history so far, but I don't know that for sure. So if there's something sure. I need to systematize and support or 
change in the FAQs or hire in a specific person to do that, that would be my next step so that I can continue pushing that growth lever. And then once revenue reaches a certain level, then it's time to hire on the, the node dude or dudette. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed the conversation. I know it wasn't our typical mastermind.fm kind of interview style, but I've really enjoyed just kind of having that uh, kind of candid conversation, walking through some of your thought processes. Really appreciate it. Tell people how they can get a hold of you if they want to kind of keep up. Sure, sure. And thank you so much for having me on here. This was a blast of a conversation. I felt like I'm not going to get to go to Pressnomics this year because I've got a conflict. Oh, no. I know. It sucks. Pressonomics. <laughs> Pressnomics. Uh, maybe I can make it to Pressonomics. I'm not going to live that down. No, I? no, pretty much not. <laughs> so I'm glad that we had a chance to connect here and kind of get that um, mini thing, but maybe we can do it another time. Anyway, you were asking me how to reach me. So... Uh, if you are interested in following me on the Twitters, I am Dave Rodenbaugh out there, spelled R-O-D-E-N-B-A-U-G-H. Uh, you can also check out the app for the SaaS at recapture.io. And if you're interested in the plugins, that's businessdirectoryplugin.com and awpcp.com. And thanks again so much for having me on here, James. Thank you so much for being there, uh, being on the show. And for all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in for this awesome episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Always remember, we love to hear your reviews. So stop on by onto iTunes, leave us a review, tell us what you're thinking. And if you have questions for us or any of our guests, uh, go on over to mastermind.fm. There's a form there you can fill out or you can just email us at podcast at mastermind.fm. We would love to hear from you. Uh, as always, I'm your host, James Laws. We appreciate you. Uh, I, I know Jean is sorry he couldn't be with you. Uh, but if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so at James Laws on Twitter, or you can get a hold of us at Mastermind FM on Twitter. So thank you so much, and see you next time.